Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey guys, what's up? This is Haley, and you're listening to Firestarters. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably surprised to see an episode today because typically Firestarters are just for my Patreon community. But today's episode, I felt, was so critical to get out there and uh, uh, in the ears of people, available and accessible to as many people as possible, that I wanted to make it available to everyone. So that is what I'm doing today. That's why you're hearing this episode. Typically, these episodes are just for the Patreon community. Um, I would love to invite you to join us at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. And that is where you will continue to hear bonus episodes every Friday. It's 10 bucks a month. You're going to get four additional episodes a month and it is absolutely worth it. But today we have a really big topic to discuss and that is why I'm making it available to everyone. I want you to hear this. I want you to uh, learn a biblical worldview of life and have words to say in conversations with friends. If you are talking about this issue with other Christians and other believers and you want words um, and, and ways to understand and think about this and talk about this. So that's why I'm sharing it. So today we have a very heavy but important topic to discuss, and that is the difference between being pro-life or pro-all life, as we have started to kind of see uh, more and more Christians adopt this terminology and claim that they are pro-all life, and that is really mostly, from what I have seen, being used as a justification for why they are voting liberal in this election. And many people, I mean, many, many Christians, even uh, even uh, large personalities like Beth Moore are uh, attaching themselves to this term saying, you know, yeah, I'm pro-life, but I'm actually pro-all life. And using this as kind of an, an apologetic for why they cannot vote for Donald Trump. So that is what we're going to discuss today. Now, I realize that this conversation is huge and will probably be much bigger than the scope of what I can cover um, in this episode, but I'm going to do my best to kind of give you a biblical understanding of God's definition of life and then evaluate whether or not pro-all life actually lines up with his um, definition for what life is and what his intention is for those whom he creates. Okay, so before we go any further, let's just lay out some basic definitions. To be pro-life means that you recognize unborn children as being people with inalienable rights that must not be violated, the same as you or I living and breathing, that we recognize them as individuals, as humans, and that we say that abortion and aborting those humans in their mother's wombs is murder. So we would advocate as pro-life people for uh, making abortion illegal and advocating for laws that will recognize the personhood of the unborn 
and work to change the laws in this country to reflect that. Okay, so what is pro-all life? An important thing to understand when looking at this term is that what it purports to mean or what it says it means and what it actually means in real life are two different things. So when someone says, I'm pro-all life, what they're saying is what it sounds like. They're saying they believe all life is valuable. But generally, now I won't speak for everyone who uses this term because perhaps some people don't mean this by when they say it, but most people who are saying this right now in social media, in your news feeds, are saying it with the goal of communicating this idea that they are not simply pro-life. Um, they're, they're trying to basically create an idea that pro-life is to be pro-life is to not be pro-all life. And so then they are creating a straw man argument and saying, I'm pro-all life, you're only pro-birth. They're basically conflating pro-lifers with being just pro-birth. And they would say, we are pro-all life, which means, you know, we care about the woman, we care about the refugee, we care about the orphan, we care about all these other populations that pro-lifers don't care about. This is a straw man argument. And that means that they are creating something that is not real, and then refuting it. They are creating an idea that pro-lifers are not for the woman, the child, the orphan, the refugee, that we are anti those groups. And then they're saying, but we're, we are, we are like that. We are in, in favor of those groups and we support them and we believe they're valuable. When in fact, pro-lifers never said that they weren't for those groups. So that's why it's called a straw man. You create a straw man and then you refute it to look like you come out on top, to look like you're the superior moral, you know, stance. And then you make your enemy or your opponent look immoral or look deficient, basically. So then pro-lifers look like, well, oh, we're not pro-all life. We're just pro-birth. And this is an argument that's been um, being leveled at the pro-life movement or community or, or individuals who would say they're pro-life for years, it's not a new argument to say you're just pro-birth, but it is in fact not true. So the other important thing to understand here is that in order to be pro-all life, you have to support and vote for policies that recognize all forms of life and all humans who have life as humans. That's the idea is we're saying this is a life. We recognize it. We respect it. We want to honor it, protect it, take care of it, defend it. They, you know, to, to say you're pro all life sounds like you should be doing that for all lives, right? But no, in fact, to be pro all life or to say you are pro all life generally means you are going to be voting for the Democratic Party because you value all these other groups that you think pro-lifers are missing or overlooking or not taking care of. And so you're saying, no, I'm pro-all life. And really all this is, all it is to take a term and add all to it is changing the language to make a stance appear more morally acceptable to a group of people. And it's working. It's working on a lot of Christians. A lot of Christians I've seen saying, I'm pro all life. Okay, to be pro-life, which pro all life would encompass all life. In order 
to be that, the minimum qualification for being considered pro all life would be to include those lives that are created at conception that are human beings in the womb, unborn children, babies. You cannot claim to be pro all life when you are literally intentionally excluding that group. Okay, so Christians, you who are trying to justify a vote for the Democratic Party, by using the term pro-all-life, you're lying to yourselves. That is intellectually dishonest. If you want to vote liberal and vote Democrat, you can do so. It's your free right as an American. You can choose to do that. But you can't do it under the guise of being pro-all-life. It's not true. It's not accurate. We cannot say that something is what it isn't. We cannot redefine as Christians, if we are being faithful to the word of God, if we are being faithful to scripture, we do not get to tell God what life is. God tells us what life is. And life does encompass more than just the unborn children, but it's not less than them. Being pro-life is caring about the orphan and the refugee and the single mother, which, by the way, almost all pro-lifers do. Almost all those who advocate for uh, making abortion illegal and changing the laws so that it is not legal to murder unborn children also are involved and engaged and care about these other at-risk people groups. But let's talk about why it's such a big deal. Why is abortion such a big deal? Because I saw someone say this. saw someone say, you know, I see nowhere in the Bible that allows me to basically make one sin worse than another. So what she was trying to purport was that pro-lifers just, they act like abortion is the worst thing ever. And that's the only thing they care about. They don't care about our immigration policies. They don't care about, um, you know, poor families that are struggling and, and need welfare or government assistance or social programs. They don't care about those things. One, I would argue that's not true. But two, let me actually explain to you why abortion is such a big deal. I would think this would be obvious, but it's it's clearly not. So let me explain why abortion is such a big deal. Okay, so in 2017, 862,000 abortions took place. That is almost a million lives that were snuffed out by abortion, either a surgical abortion uh, or a induction abortion or the pill. So... 862,000. That's a million. It's nearly a million. The year before, actually, it was over a million. So it went down in 2017 to Um, For comparison, by comparison, let's look at how many murders of adults or other people, those not in the womb, how many actual murders and, and uh, homicides like took place in the United States. In 2018, 16,425 murders took place. That is 2% of how many abortions took place. That is why abortion is a big deal because it is happening so much more frequently and so many more people, individuals, 
unborn children are being affected than even born adults are being murdered. Um, okay, so how many, for instance, this is another hot topic, how many police shootings happened in comparison to abortion? Well, in 2019, 1,004 police shootings took place. Fatal police shootings. That is 0.1% of all the abortions that took place just two years before in 2017. And that's the most recent data I could find. But that is one-tenth of a percent as many abortions took place. So for all of you who are wondering, why are abortions such, why, you know, why is it that you Christians are making abortions such a big deal? Why is this your, your, you know, your pet project or why do you care so much more? Because it's happening so much more than any other um, people group or population in the United States. It's, it's the most at risk. It's the most murdered. It's the most um, erased people group and, uh, and, uh, marginalized people group in the United States that is being affected by our laws. So that is why it matters because the statistics are astronomical. There are so many babies being aborted that it is something that has to be addressed. We have to address it. We have to look at it. And it is the elephant in the room because it's the thing that is happening the most frequently. And let's take this to another area, a different topic, because people, when you talk about abortion, people's minds just explode with, uh, with confusion around this topic. So let's, let's talk about what if there was a meteor shower where it was just consistently ongoing onslaught of meteors crashing to earth, destroying homes, businesses, people, just people were being crushed under meteors. And it was just happening all day, every day. And we were like, oh my God, the earth is ending. What is going on? This is affecting so many people. This is, this is a crisis, a national or a worldwide crisis. And somebody was like, well, I just don't see why you care so much about meteors. I mean, there's also floods happening or there's also tornadoes are real. Tornadoes are real. Okay. (laughs) It's not that we don't care about tornadoes. It's just that the immediate urgent crisis right now is that meteors are crashing to the earth. That's why we're talking about it. It's not because by talking about it, we invalidate that anything else could ever possibly threaten human life. It's just that this is the urgent and emergent situation right now that we have to address. We have to stop the bleeding. We can't worry about, you know, the the floods right now or the tornadoes right now when we've got meteors crashing to earth. You know, and so that's what that's that's kind of what's happening when people are like, well, why are we just talking about abortion? What about the refugee crisis? What about this? What about that? I would say, yeah, you're right. All of those things are important, too. But this is astronomically happening at a much higher rate than any of those other issues that we have to address this first. Plus, it's on the books in our nation and it's legalized by our nation. And so it's something that we can control. Whereas we can't control everything that's happening outside of our borders or how many people come to us and ask to be let in. And I'm not saying that those things aren't important and that we don't need to discuss that and care about that as Christians. We absolutely do. The Bible is clear. We do need to care about the orphan and the widow. And those are marginalized people groups as well. But we can't pretend like this huge problem is not happening. And we can't pretend to care about those other marginalized groups if we don't even care about the ones that are literally 
voiceless, have zero representation when it comes to having a dog in this fight, having an argument for their lives. They can't speak. They have no voice. So that's why this has to be dealt with immediately. So back to pro-all life. As I said earlier, perhaps there are some Christians like Beth Moore who would say, I'm pro-all life from conception to coffin. Well, if you say that, I would say, okay, fine. But what do you mean by adding the word all? What, what exactly are you, why are we adding that? Why is it necessary to say that? Is it perhaps to justify voting for politicians who actually want to make abortion and keep abortion legal? Is it because you are looking for a way to justify that kind of a vote, whereas previously, heretofore, you would have felt that it was impossible as a believer, as a Christian, as someone who adhered to a biblical ethic of life and human worth, you would have felt it was impossible to do so. But by saying pro all life, that somehow makes it morally justifiable and intellectually allows you to wrap your mind around it and then do it. I would argue that's why most people are saying they're pro-all life, because that's what's implied, is that it's not enough to just be pro-life. You have to be pro-all life. But then in doing so, they're actually going to go and vote for a politician, an individual, a platform, and an agenda, an administration that wants to legalize and um, make it completely accessible to people to murder unborn children. So explain to me how that is pro-all life. Explain to me, how can you be pro-all life if you don't include the most marginalized and vulnerable population in the United States that is being killed? You know, and, and a lot of these people are, they would say that they care about immigration issues. They care about police shootings. They care about um, police brutality or racist, you know, this and that, all of the things that we're hearing from the left these days. But as I just explained to you, the amount of police shootings, fatal police shootings, even you know, period, including all races and colors, is 0.1% as many abortions have taken place. So explain to me how one-tenth of a percent is as um, as drastic amount of, of human life that is being lost as those being murdered. And so the amount of even, um, you know, white on black shootings, which it seems to be very important to a lot of people, uh, would be even smaller than that. It would be even less than one-tenth of a percent. Okay, so there are certainly debates to be had, and I will be the first to say I don't blindly accept everything from the Republican Party. I don't actually even call myself a Republican. I do vote that way, but I consider myself a, a conservative. But there are plenty of things on the, you know, uh, on the Republican side that I might disagree with. I might disagree with certain immigration policies. I may say, you know, actually, I think that we should have a few more social programs, this or that. I we Those are debates to be had. Those are certainly conversations that I think we should work through. I think we should find the best way forward. I think, of course, a lot of us are going to disagree on what the best way forward is and what will create the most sustainable um, good outcomes, which is what we want to see. We don't want to see just a handout given that gets somebody 
somebody by for a month. We want to see something that changes the trajectory of people's lives and allows them to actually create wealth for themselves and become, you know, get dignity through work and um, and have jobs and have stable income and be able to pay for their own housing. And we want to see that. We want to see people thriving and flourishing, not simply getting a handout and a paycheck from the government. Is there a time and a place for that? I think absolutely there is. And and I would never advocate that there is no place for that. But by and large, I would say that's where I want to see policies and programs and social good being done is towards creating sustainable, lasting change in people's lives, not feeding people uh, basically a lifestyle that allows them to no longer be responsible for themselves and be on the government's, you know, on the government's dime for the rest of their lives and have no dignity or value in work. We know that God created work. We were meant to work. It's good for us. And it actually is um, a biblical value. So that's how I would say I want to see those programs happen. My point is there's debate to be had. There's conversation to be had around those. And there's probably good ways to do all of those things and better ways and best ways. And so I think we should have those conversations as Christians, as a community, as Democrats and Republicans. I think we can have those conversations. What I would argue is not a conversation to be had is whether or not a baby should be murdered in the womb. That is not a conversation that is up for debate. And most pro-lifers would agree. They would say that's what that's what makes that issue different for them. That's why they would be a quote-unquote single-issue voter, which I think is a denigration of what pro-life is. I've said this before, but let's just say that, you know, the, the party platform uh, of Democrats was to kill all five-year-olds. Okay, well, you would find that ridiculous because you would say, well, why would we kill all five-year-olds? That makes no sense. They're living. They're happy. They're healthy. What would you – why would you do that? That's murder. How is it any different to kill a life inside the womb that is maybe, you know, 12 weeks old or eight months in utero up to even full term in New York and some states where um, where there is no restrictions on abortion? So you can have an abortion up till birth. Why is that any different? Christians, how can you justify? How can you justify not killing a child that is a day old or a week old or a year old or five years old, but you can justify killing a child, an infant baby that is inside its mother's womb 24 hours from being delivered or that in the third trimester could easily survive. There are even babies born in the second trimester as early as I've seen 19 and 21 weeks that have survived. That's the second trimester. Those babies can survive because you know why? Because they're humans. Because they're alive. They're not a mass of cells. They're not a mass of tissue. They're not a fetus in the sense that they are less than human. They are in a developmental stage that is preparing them for life outside the womb because they're already a life. They're already a human. They're made in the image of God. There is absolutely no difference. All they need is time. All they need is time. And that's why I use the time analogy to say, well, what would then stop us from killing a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old? Why is it suddenly murder, but abortion is legal? Because the law says so? Because our government has told us? Well, no, I'm sorry. The government does not get to define what life is. 
God defines what life is. And so if our government has it wrong, we need to change that. We need to advocate and work to change that. It is wrong and wicked and evil. And if you cannot see that, you have been blinded by the arguments of this world, by perhaps selfishness, by perhaps um, the fact that you have such a hatred for even Donald Trump that you would vote anything but Trump. You may be a never Trumper. And you would say, I, you know, Haley, say what you want, but I'm never voting for Donald Trump. And I would say, well, then you've idolized politicians because you have made one man more important than the lives of one million unborn children that died in, you know, the last couple years, each year, year over year. The Bible forbids abortion because the Bible forbids killing. That's the fifth commandment. In the Ten Commandments that God gave to Moses, the fifth says, you shall not kill. So the Bible forbids killing, and abortion is killing of human life. Now, I've seen articles, as I'm sure you have, from all kinds of media outlets. Time Magazine did an article called Six Myths About Abortion. The first was, the Bible forbids abortion. They call this a myth. But what they really argued under that point was that we don't live in a theocracy. We live in a democracy, a democratic republic to be exact. And so why would we care what the Bible says? Well, Time Magazine, we would care because our founding fathers knew that without morally upright citizens, a democratic republic would not work. They actually said this, and that is why they founded the nation on biblical Christian ethics and standards and values. The founding fathers understood that their religious beliefs uh, were the foundation of this nation and that that was actually what fueled the possibility of a representative democracy to exist. George Washington said, of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. In vain would that man claim tribute to patriotism patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens reason and experience both forbid us to expect that national morality can prevail in exclusion of religious principles they understood that the foundation of this nation's success was tied to the values and morals that flowed from scripture Benjamin Franklin said, only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. As nations become more corrupt and vicious, they have more need of masters. Benjamin Franklin said, laws without morals are in vain. There's so many examples of how the, how this nation was founded on this, these principles of religious belief. And I would argue that all belief is religious because mankind is created to worship. We're created by God to worship him. So if we don't worship him, we won't not worship. We just will worship the wrong thing. All belief is at the level of religious belief. So those who would claim, oh, well, America's not a theocracy, so we shouldn't be governed by the Bible. Well, that's fine. You don't have to be governed by the Bible, but you will be governed by something at a religious belief level. It may not be scripture. It may be the God of your own imagination. It may be the devil. It may be the God of your stomach. It may be whatever it is, but it's going to be something. Something will drive what 
what causes you to get out of bed in the morning, what helps you to get through those tough days. And it will be belief level religion and spirituality because that is who you are. You are a spiritual being. You may not realize it. You may not recognize it. You may not ever pray to God or thank God or worship God, but you believe something and you are religious by nature in the sense that you worship you, we are all worshipers. You cannot get outside it. I always say we cannot get outside the box that God has put us in. We cannot think our way out, reason our way out, demand that we are something other than we are what he has made us. He has made us this we, this way. He has made us to create and, or to, to worship him. So we cannot change the very nature of our being. God sets the boundaries. We live within them. That's how it works. Uh, The third myth that I wanted to share on this time article was that abortion is dangerous. I mean, to even be able to say it's a myth that abortion is dangerous reveals the fact that you have such moral blindness and such dishonesty happening at a cellular level. Because by definition, abortion is ending a life, is killing an unborn baby. And yet they're saying it's a myth that it's dangerous. Well, clearly what they're trying to say is it's, it's not dangerous for the woman. Their word for what it says. And yet abortion is remarkably safe. The CDC reports that from 2003 to 2009, the most recent period for which it has figures, the national mortality rate was 0.67 deaths per 100,000 abortions. In 2009, a total of eight women died due to abortion. Tragic as that is, compare it with fatal reactions to penicillin, which occur in one case per 50 to 100,000 courses. Okay, so they would they would admit that it's tragic, which I would agree. It's tragic that eight women in 2009 died due to abortion. But in that same year, in 2009, 784,507 abortions were reported to the CDC. As believers, as salt and light in this world, as those who carry truth, into a dark world and carry light, we cannot succumb to the world's definitions of life. We cannot succumb to redefinition of terms and worldly language that only seeks to justify the immoral and reprehensible behavior that darkness wants to carry out in this world. All this term is, as far as I can see and how it's being used, is a Trojan horse for an ideology which does not seek to promote all life, but to stop life before it can even begin. Before those babies even have a chance to take a breath and begin their lives on this earth, abortion ends it. So the idea that you can be pro-all life from conception to coffin, if that does not include protecting the lives of the unborn through advocating for anti-abortion, ending abortion, policies that would would make abortion illegal in this nation and in every state and community and city across America. If you cannot agree with that, then you are not agreeing with God that life is meaningful, valuable, because it's a gift of God, because it's his creation, because he says it is. What we see is that this pro all life term is really not about all life. It's really about legalized abortion. They believe abortion is women's health care. And or they hate Donald Trump and want a justifiable reason not to vote for him in this election. And I understand not liking Donald Trump. I don't care if you like Donald Trump or not. I care that as Christians, we are obedient to God with his definitions. 
And guys, this is not primarily about voting Republican or, or not voting Democrat. It's about voting biblically. And I understand there are more than one issue on the table that we could have debates about on either side of the aisle, and we could come to different conclusions that might both be um, worth trying or might both be acceptable solutions to a problem. But one of, but on the topic of abortion, there is no alternative that is acceptable from a biblical standpoint than to support life, than to vote to end abortion. There is no alternative position to take. You are either pro-life from conception for abolishing abortion, or you are pro-choice. You do not get to redefine yourself as a pro-choice advocate, as someone who wants to keep abortion legal, keep the murder of babies legal. You don't get to re you don't get to rename that pro-all life. That is being pro-choice. That is being pro-abortion. Now, I am extremely, extremely sympathetic and empathetic to women who have had abortions and, and I would say who have been wounded by abortions because it is an extremely painful thing for a woman to experience. So I have absolute empathy and grace and forgiveness for anyone who has undergone an abortion and has repented of that and has turned from that way of uh, believing and, and acting and has turned to God and asked for forgiveness. And he is full of steadfast love, abounding in mercy. He is slow to anger. We serve a God who is a, is absolutely willing to heal the broken places in any woman's heart who has undergone abortion. And I don't think we should be um, unkind or mean or ruthless to women who have had abortions. I would never advocate for that. I, I think that we absolutely need to be so loving and understanding that people who are in that spot often don't feel that they have another option. We need to be advocates for them. We need to point them to the truth of the gospel, the hope that Jesus has paid the price for that sin and he has made a way for them to be reunited with God and to, um, and to be a, a child of God. They've been grafted into the family if they accept him as their savior. So there is no need to go to this level of calling anyone baby killers or, you know, uh, just being nasty in the way we talk to people. I would, I don't advocate for that. I don't think that's the right approach by any means. That's not what that community needs. But at the same time, we can't change the definitions just because it is hard to hear, just because it is um, not popular. Speaking the truth in love means both admitting and being honest that abortion is murder and saying that anyone who has experienced the wounding and pain of abortion can access healing and forgiveness from God. There is a way back. There is. There absolutely is. There is for you and I, and they are not worse sinners than you and I. If you have had an abortion, you are not worse in the eyes of God. We all need Jesus. We are all leveled at the foot of the cross in need of saving grace and transformation and new hearts. But we have to, at the same time, speak the truth in love and say, but that doesn't mean that we have to change the standard. That doesn't mean we have to uh, change the conversation from saying, well, you know, we don't believe abortion should be legal to, well, I guess we have to, you know, have to give on this ground in order to be loving. We have to accept any behavior that the world says it wants to do, that culture says it deserves, that culture calls health care. 
we we can't do that. We once you start redefining terms, you have taken the first step down the most slippery hill there is. This is exactly what the serpent did to Eve in the garden. He only slightly changed what God told her when God said, "You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you may eat of any other tree, and you may eat of the tree of life that is in the midst of the garden." The devil confronted Eve and said, did God really say? He just questioned what God said. And in questioning, it introduces the opportunity for us as human beings to actually remember what God said. The question is the opportunity for us to be true to what God said and say, yeah, here is what he said. Here's what he said. He told me, you know, do this, this, this. And what Eve did wrong was she redefined what God said. She regurgitated it and twisted it just a little bit. She said that he told them not to eat of the fruit, the fruit of the tree and not to touch it. She added to. Just like people are adding to this idea of being pro-life. Well, now we're pro all life. Just we're just adding a little bit. We're just adding. And actually, you know, it's not just that they're adding a little bit. They would say they're adding all these other groups that you need to consider when you say you're pro life. But what you're doing is missing the most foundational and essential component to all life, which is the beginning of life. Where life begins, in the womb, at conception, that's the foundation of life. You can't have all life without that. You can't have obedience to God without that essential, crucial component. It is not possible. To believe otherwise is to believe a lie, just like Eve did. Just like the serpent convinced her to entertain an idea that was other than what God had given her, that was outside the box and the, the boundaries that he had given for her, that was not a box that held her in, you know, from a place that she should have been able to go. It was boundaries that kept her safe. It was boundaries that allowed her relationship and communion and intimacy with God. Going outside that boundary didn't result in more life. It resulted in death. There's no other way to understand this. There's no other way to see the reality of what we're doing when we go outside the bounds of what God gives us. It does not result in more rich or fruitful or abundant life. It results in death. The enemy comes to seek to kill and destroy. And the serpent was more crafty than any other creature in the garden. He was crafty. Do you know what crafty means? It means skillful in underhand or evil schemes. Cunning, deceitful, sly. That is what crafty means. And this introduction of the term pro all life to try to justify and make acceptable the rejection of, of opposing abortion in every way we possibly can as believers. It is just that. It is crafty. It is skillful and it is underhanded, but it is an evil scheme. The cunning and deceit that lies behind this term should cause Christians concern. It should cause us, as we are being questioned by the world, did God really say? What about all life? It's a, it's a misnomer. It's a straw man. Of course God cares about all life, but you can't have all life without that life at the very beginning stage when it is in the womb, when it is the most vulnerable, and when every year in America, almost one million of them are being ended. So Christians, 
understand the difference, understand God's heart for his creation, that God does not create something so that we can murder it, so that we can end it. He told us not to kill. The Bible is so black and white in this. And following God's advice, though the world will tell us that following God's advice does not lead to a fruitful life, it does not lead to flourishing. Well, you might have to leave college. You might have to raise that child or you might have to undergo the difficult circumstance of giving that baby up for adoption. Why go through the pain? You could have a better life if you just ended it now, right? That's what we're told. It's more loving to the woman to give her the choice. That's just the same as saying, did God really say? But Christians, God's way is always best for us. There is no way except for God's way that actually results in life and joy and happiness in this life and the next. There is no other way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, 6. And he always has been and always will be. So his word is our authority. His moral ethic and code is our guide. The 10 commandments are not optional. They were not the 10 suggestions. They were not the 10, please redefine me as you see culturally fit. Absolutely not. This is so black and white for Christians, and we need to stick to the word of God here. We need to advocate for the lives of the unborn, advocate for the lives of those who are already born, all of the above. But we do not exclude one people group just so that we can get away with a political leaning or a stance against or for a politician. That's idolatry. That's worship or that's hatred of one individual or one political party all the while. We are the ones then with blood on our hands because we are voting for the murder of the unborn. So that is pro-all life versus pro-life. I hope that was helpful. I think this is just so incredibly critical. I've never felt more passionate about this conversation than I do today because it is, I see evil so clearly trying to seep in and, um, and, and deceive. That's like, that's what the devil does. That's what he does. That's his agenda. That's his MO. We should know that as Christians and we should be so wary and so careful when we see Christians jumping on board with the redefinition of any term, especially one around something so contentious and hotly debated as abortion. There is no room for Christians to not oppose abortion in every way possible, both with your vote and with how you advocate in the in-between. It is not just important to vote for life. It is important to advocate for life, to volunteer for life. Get involved with your local pregnancy center or crisis pregnancy center or teen counseling. There's all kinds of ways to get involved. Uh, Many of them hold parenting classes up till the child is two years old. You can get involved with donating your time and resources, working in the food pantries or the clothing centers that these women access. There's so many great people doing great work and supporting life beyond just birth, beyond just the womb. There absolutely is. And if someone tells you otherwise, that's a straw man. It's not true. You don't have to accept it as true. You can look up in your area and find the people doing that work. Get involved. Get involved if you care about this. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I am so thankful for this community. I want to encourage you, if you liked this episode and you want to hear more like this, join us in Firestarters at patreon.com slash kindled podcast. And I uh, create new bonus content and new episodes every Friday for my Patreon community there. Okay, guys, have a great weekend.